0: This is a production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. Welcome to the Not Lukewarm Podcast with Diana Bartolini, a speaker, writer, and spiritual director who wants you to know your faith and live not lukewarm.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome. It's Deanna Bartolini with the Not Lukewarm podcast. And today I am excited and happy for you that I am interviewing a guest, someone actually who's been on the show before, and someone I consider a friend, and that is Maria Gallagher. Welcome, Maria.
0: It's so good to be with you today. Thank you for having me.
1: You're very welcome. I'm excited about your new book. Um, but before I, we start with the new book, let me just give a brief introduction to who is Maria. So Maria Gallagher is a published author and advocate for life. Her newest book is Mercy's Power from Marion Press. Previously, Maria worked as a journalist for radio and television news. She lives in Pennsylvania and is the mother of a beautiful ballerina. So again, welcome and. We're
0: going to talk about your new book, Mercy's Power. Yeah, I'm very excited about this book because I think it comes at the perfect time in in our nation and in our world because last year, uh, around this time, it was actually June 24th, we saw the overturn of Roe versus Wade, and that was the tragic 1973 U.S. Supreme Court decision, which legalized abortion all throughout the United States. And so this ushered in a new era in the pro-life movement. And I think we really need a guidebook for that era because these are very uncertain times. And we have some states that have uh, very good protections for pre-born children and for their mothers. We have other states that do not. We have some states that are in the middle. And I wrote this book for people who live in any of those different localities, that they might be able to renew a culture of life in their community, and in their state. And I think that the key to that really is mercy. You know, when many of us start out in the pro-life movement, we're thinking about justice, justice for the unborn. And, and that is very important. And uh, I, I want to stress that. But the fact of the matter is that um, in day-to-day living, what helps the unborn and their mothers and fathers the most is acts of mercy and words of mercy. And I think far too often that's overlooked because we're we're out in the streets and we're, we're marching and, and that's all fine and good. But when it comes right down to it, it's often an individual decision made by a woman facing incredibly difficult circumstances. And we need to recognize that fact and accompany her through her journey. You know, Pope John, um, Pope Francis talks about the virtue of accompaniment. And I think that's really vital to the pro-life movement. We need to accompany these women in their journeys through pregnancy and beyond to the birth of their children. We need to be a resource for them throughout that period. Also, at at the end of life or or when there are threats um, to people who are sick through euthanasia and assisted suicide, again, we need to accompany those people. I found through research that the top reason that people give for seeking assisted suicide, which is um, basically taking a lethal dose of drugs prescribed by a doctor, is depression, you know, it's it's untreated depression. We need to be there for these people who are struggling and we need to show them mercy any way we can. And so I'm hoping that mercy's power is that guide to help people on this journey of hope and of healing um, so that they can renew the culture of life throughout the world. I I
1: totally appreciate the the value of accompaniment Right. So as, as a spiritual director and as someone who prays with people, uh, with, with unbound healing prayer, oftentimes after you talk with people and especially after we pray with people, there's that realization that people are not listening and walking with other people. Mm-hmm. We, we're, we're, we're about, we're about sound bites. We're about quick fixes. We're about, let's make sure someone doesn't have an abortion or someone does not you know, go down the road of assisted suicide. So once we prevent that situation from happening, we can't just leave that person alone.
0: Absolutely.
1: Right? Because whatever drove them to that point, whatever made them believe that was the best choice,
0: if we don't help them through that process, what have we really done? That's exactly right. And I think the Sisters of Life say it best. They talk about listening to uh, the women that they serve and letting the women empty their bucket. You have to allow the person to talk freely and openly and honestly about their situations. because chances are they don't just have one problem. They, they have many problems which drive them to this decision of, of considering this, this terrible act of abortion. And so we need to listen to them Uh, attentively find out from them what is going on in their lives and and how can we assist them? I think that the best thing that we can say to a woman who comes up to us and says, I'm pregnant, is how can I help? Not how did you get into this situation? What were you thinking? What were you doing? None of that. And I, I know it happened in my own family where a family member was unexpectedly pregnant and her family rallied to her side and took care of her precious child. And um, it was really an eye-opening experience for me because I saw that mercy in action. And it was something that I wanted to duplicate in my life. And we see where, uh, when women go to pregnancy resource centers, um, the staff and volunteers there provide that comprehensive counseling and support to the women. That's why those centers are so crucially important, because they're basically a one stop shop for women who are facing challenging circumstances during their pregnancies. And sometimes we have to be the support for these women in those challenging times. And there was a study that was actually done of women who had had abortions and who regretted them. Uh, And the study showed that in 85% of the cases, if the woman had known of one person to provide support during the pregnancy, just one person, that woman would not have chosen abortion. Well, we can be that one person. And it may not be uh, that difficult for us. I mean, the woman may just be looking for a ride to work or for somebody to watch her children a few hours while she goes to the grocery store I mean there there are little acts of mercy that we can do for these women that can make a profound difference in their lives
1: yeah and really that's the point of your book isn't it? It's the small things that we are able to do you know in the it, the Catholic word is right performing the corporal works of mercy so those works that attend to to the physical body corporal. And we don't need to put a fancy label on things. It's just, it's mercy. God has given us great mercy. And so our response is to give that mercy then to others. And that really is what I looked at the table of contents, you know, in the book. That's what you talk about. How can we do these small things? You know, not everyone is called to march or speak publicly or all of us can do something.
0: Absolutely. And one of the things I talk about in the book is to do a self-assessment where you determine what skills and talents you have that you can bring to the pro-life movement. And I've seen all sorts of uh, creative methods of promoting life. I, I've seen women who like to knit and so they knit little caps for newborn babies and. Um, I've seen women who uh, are good at fundraising, and so they fundraise for their local pregnancy center. Um, I've seen women who like to bake, and so they um, prepare baked goods that can be sold to raise money for a pro-life cause. I mean, the sky's the limit. And God entrusted these talents to us for the benefit of our whole community. Right. And so it's, it's incumbent upon us to determine what are those talents and gifts that we have that we can share with other people in building up that culture of life. Because it's, it's simply not good enough. I, as much as we need to pass laws, pass regulations, it's simply not good enough to do that. We have to build up a culture of life. Because unfortunately, with the advent of legalized abortion, We've seen a coarsening of our culture, um, where human life is just not respected as it should be throughout the whole spectrum of life, from the dawn of life to the twilight of life. So we need to rebuild that culture one brick at a time, and it all begins with us. I mean, we we may look to our public officials and elected leaders to provide leadership, and and that is very important. Don't get me wrong, but in the end. God is calling each of us to do something to help renew this culture. That's why we're here. We often complain about the times in which we live, but it's better to light a candle than to curse the darkness. And that is what we are called to do at this particular moment in time. God put us here for a reason. We need to find out what that reason is.
1: Right. And, and I love the statement, the culture of life. So it's not being against, but it's being for, you know, you don't have to get on that. This is a, this is this bad thing bandwagon kind of thing where you're, where you're punishing or belittling or shaming. None of that, none of that is helpful or useful or good. But when we say that we want to help people to embrace a culture of life, it really does mean the whole spectrum from, you know, children who, you know, feel have depression, how do we help them to, to older people who feel useless and unwanted? How do we help them? It is not simply a one thing that we need to do.
0: And yeah, that's absolutely correct. It's very all encompassing. And, and it can be daunting, don't get me wrong, but we can take baby steps. And you'd be surprised at where those baby steps can lead you. I mean, I didn't grow up thinking I was going to become a pro-life advocate. I thought I was going to be an actress on the Broadway stage. And then I thought I was going to be a reporter in front of the Kremlin reporting on the activities of the Soviet Union. I mean, I did not think to myself, hey, I'm going to be an advocate for life. But that is what God was calling me to. Actually, in seventh grade, I went to a... uh, Pro-life demonstration that was organized by my teacher at our state Capitol was a prayerful, peaceful, silent demonstration. And that was when I was called to the pro-life movement. Unfortunately, I didn't do anything with that call during high school and college. It took somebody who was a friend who came to me and said, what are you doing for pro-life? And I said to him at the time, I can't do anything. I'm a journalist. And he questioned that. And he started giving me pro-life materials to read and my eyes were open because I didn't know that the heart starts beating in a baby 24 days after conception and brainwaves can be detected 43 days after conception. And that six weeks after conception, the baby looks like a miniature doll with arms and legs and fingers and toes. I didn't know any of this, but as soon as I began uh, educating myself, I realized I needed to educate other people. I needed to share the knowledge that I had. And that is how I was called into the pro-life movement. I've been working at it full-time for 20 years. Uh, the Lord has so blessed me in that. And I've met such wonderful people. And uh, I was instrumental in helping to shut down an abortion facility um, through a very peaceful, prayerful means. And uh many lives I believe have been saved through that um and I mean, I don't know individually if I've ever saved a human life, but I think that I've helped other people to save lives right, and that's very right. rewarding
1: that must be extremely rewarding. I think that might be an understatement, Maria <laughs> um, so to go back just briefly because we're we're getting a little short on time, as always, when I interview someone. Um, <laughs> A little bit more about the book. So Mercy's Power, it's published uh, by Marian Press, and it's written as a guidebook, right? And the focus is is on the small things that people can do based on their own personal knowledge, their gifts, their talents, their experience, and where they are in their season of life.
0: Absolutely. This is the book that I wish that I had had starting out in the pro-life movement. I was not given any kind of guidebook. I learned on my own through trial and error. And I found that the most important element in working in the pro-life movement or volunteering for the pro-life movement is prayer. So I spend a lot of time in the book talking about prayer, uh, different types of prayer, different aspects of prayer. I talk about the importance of the Eucharist. Um, Father John Harden, who is being considered for sainthood, once said, There is no stopping abortion without the Eucharist. And we need to uh, redouble our efforts, adore the Blessed Sacrament, to receive the Blessed Sacrament, receive that body and blood, soul and divinity of Jesus Christ so that we can share that with other people. I talk in the book about um, different role models for the pro-life movement. I mean, everybody from uh, Fulton Sheen to Dorothy Day has been a tremendous role model for us. Um, And I talk about uh, different um, pontiffs and their influence on the pro-life movement. Uh, A great influence for me was John Paul II, um, who wrote the Gospel of Life. And that continues to serve as a blueprint for us to this day. And so I'm hoping that in the pages of Mercy's Power, the people will come away with an understanding of what they need to do to promote life in their area in their family and to become better ambassadors for life.
1: Really you've taken all the wisdom of your years of both volunteering and professional career along with you know some some great leaders of our faith especially you know Pope John Paul II with the gospel of life put it all together in a book that is going to help I'm sure everyone who's involved in the pro life movement as well as Just the the person in the pew who is interested in serving and reclaiming our culture as a culture of life.
0: Absolutely. I I don't think I could have said it better than that. Um, And I don't want to leave the impression that this is a daunting book. It is not. I write my books for the average person. Uh, The chapters are very short. Each chapter has uh, discussion questions or questions for pondering that can lead you deeper into the subject matter. So this is a very accessible book. And I wrote this book for both males and females. um, So everybody can benefit from it.
1: Yeah. I've not read the whole book. I've read a couple of chapters and Maria says it's accessible and it is, but it's not dumbed down. Don't think for a minute it's dumbed down. And what I like about your writing style is how you bring in those personal stories that are relevant to the situation. And I think that helps us to remember that everything we talk about is, it really is about people. And it is about serving and loving the people that God puts in front of us. Your book is going to give people some great ways to serve and love the people
0: who really need mercy, you know? That's right. And mercy is just love in action. Oh, I love that. Love Love in action. Yeah, love in action. So... Um, when we talk about mercy, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about loving our fellow man and woman, to the best of our human ability and goodness knows we need divine help to do that. And I don't want to say that it's easy, um, but it is a powerful means of promoting a, a new age in our society where every human being is respected and cherished and loved.
1: I think that's a good place to wrap it up that, Mercy is love in action. Let's leave our listeners, as always, with a little challenge for the week. And I loved the idea you came up with. So go ahead.
0: I think my challenge for the week is for every one of us to engage in one act of mercy that's a little bit beyond our comfort zone. So maybe that involves taking your stylish clothes and donating them. Um, to a thrift store that serves the the underprivileged, or maybe that involves um, buying a little bit more on your weekly trip to the grocery store and uh, donating those um, items to your local food bank. Um, it may be babysitting for a single mom who really needs some help. But just take one action out of the week and. Devote it to an act of mercy. And I I think you're going to come away with that with a, uh, a renewed appreciation for the gift of life that God has given each and every one of us.
1: I love that just to take our faith, put it into action in whatever way that is possible for you to do. Maria, thank you. Thank you very, very much. Um, I will drop links to where to purchase the book, uh, Mercy's Power by Maria Gallagher, available with at Marian Press. Okay, shopmercy.org, and I will drop that link in the show notes. And everyone, have a wonderful week. God bless you, and do your best to always live not lukewarm.
0: Thanks for listening to the Not Lukewarm Podcast, a production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, tell a friend or leave a review wherever you listen show notes and links are at notlukewarmpodcast.com